with women who inspire us. The three of us together have a lot of experience discussing real issues that affect real women. Now, we're giving you a chance to actually hear how we talk about the topics in the newsroom behind the scenes here on the Oklahoma Women Want to Know podcast. On this episode of Oklahoma (laughs) Women Want to Know, this week we're talking about an unusual disorder when a local woman vanished and it piqued a lot of people's attention. We were talking about it around the dinner table at my house and we were talking about it a lot in the newsroom. Imagine your brain telling you you're starving, that you're hungry all the time. Imagine how that would affect your day-to-day life. We tracked down the family. We've got a couple of experts actually with us here in the studio to talk about this rare disorder. And it's pronounced a couple of different ways. So we'll let the women, the experts here, pronounce it the way they want to pronounce it. You'll hear that in just a moment. But first, I'm April Hill. I'm the news director and midday anchor here at 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk. I'm Jen Townley. I'm co-host of the KRMG Morning News at Dan Potter. And I'm Crystal Kelly, a reporter at KRMG. Okay, so ladies, introduce yourself and tell us about this disorder and how you're related to the disorder. So I am Stacy Vaclaw-Lard, and Katie Vaclaw, who was missing this weekend, was my little sister. You said experts. We're just sisters of people that have been diagnosed, so we'll give you as much information as we can. But um, I brought my friend with me who has a sister that also has Prader-Willies. She's one of the smartest people I know, and she also helped get my sister back to us this weekend as an attorney, so we're super grateful for her. All right. You want to introduce yourself? Yes. I'm Katie McDaniel. Um, I have an older sister who is eight years older than me. Her name is Amy and um, she has Prader-Willi syndrome. Okay. So do you want to start with what happened this week? So we um, last, actually a week before last, I took Katie shopping for some of, they get to pick a prom dress. They provide this at the night to shine. This is for special needs kids. And it's such a great event. Um, The kids get to pick their dress. And so we went and got accessories and she was really excited to go. But that night, and as my friend Katie here can attest to, um, People with Prader-Willis, there's different diagnoses for this. Our sisters are both on the higher IQ level for it, and we'll get into a little bit more about it later. But basically, she went missing Friday night. The police put out a new report. Uh, It's not an Amber Alert. It's called a Casey Alert, which is kind of a newer one. I think it's only the sixth time that they had used that particular alert. And once that went out, the shelter that Katie ended up at had to let the police know. So they told us that they knew where Katie was, but they couldn't tell us where. So that became a little bit of a problem. I had to take my legal papers in that show that I'm the guardian of an incapacitated person. And that. Um, so then they gave me the information, but yet the shelter, and I don't want to say too much about the shelter because it is a women in crisis shelter and there's so many protections that I want to keep in place for that shelter. But legally, they can't say anything to you. Like, I was like, this, I have the papers that show that my sister is needing her medication. She's been off them for six days. You guys can't keep her. And she was like, I can neither confirm nor deny your sister is here. That's all I got. And then I remembered, I just knew I needed an attorney. So that's when I called my friend. 
we're going to differentiate between Katie, my sister, and Katie, my attorney. So I called Katie my attorney, and she also has a sister with Prater Willies, and she was just said, I'm going to take care of it. <laughs> and so a couple hours later, she had gone through what she needed to to get us Katie back, and we went up to the shelter and um, were able to get have her back. So she's back home now. Um, but running is fairly common for Prater Willie's kids, so we can get into that in a little bit too. But okay, well, go ahead and tell us about the syndrome. I'm going to let Katie do that part because she's a lot smarter than I am. Katie, my attorney. <laughs> so uh, Prater Willie syndrome is a rare chromosomal disorder. Um, the prevalence of it is uh, between one in ten thousand and one in thirty thousand newborn babies. So. So if you compare that to Down syndrome, which is more like one in 700, it's it's pretty rare. Um, but over the last, really, we were just talking about this earlier, mm -hmm. since yeah. the um, early 90s, there have been more and more diagnosis of, um, of the disorder. So it's a disruption on the 15th chromosome um, it, from the contribution from the paternal side. So um, ultimately what it causes is a problem in the hypothalamus within the brain. And that makes people who have the disorder feel hungry all of the time. There are um, things that you would look for in an infant, uh, such as poor muscle tone or kind of floppiness. The infant will have issues with sucking and feeding, and they might be diagnosed with failure to thrive. Um, so that's really challenging for parents who have it. Now, if you're pregnant or you have a, a child and you think there are any of these issues, don't. it's probably not Prader-Willi because now we have genetic testing that is routinely done that um, would detect these types of things. However, when our mothers were having mm -hmm. children yeah. and had our siblings, there was nothing. it wasn't available. Yeah. So... Um, my sister was born in the early 1980s. Uh, the diagnostic criteria for Prader-Willi syndrome had not been established at that time. So my parents knew that something was going on and they had access to uh, doctors, but the doctors didn't have access to the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So my sister was 12 before she was diagnosed. So we're talking about her being 12 and me being around the age of four. And I was the opposite because I was 16 and my little sister wasn't diagnosed until she was 10. So they actually got diagnosed around the mm -hmm. same time. The testing came out in what, Katie, like 93? So it was something? in 1993 that the diagnostic criteria was established right. and doctors were actually able to diagnose and begin treating the yeah. disorder. So what was it like at home? Were they just was, oh. were there arguments with the parents oh. on eating? Like how did that work? Well, it's really interesting. I have some great stories about my little sister. Like... I remember when she was about two years old, I'd come home from school and I saw melted ice cream into a closet. And at that time, she was thinking that if she couldn't see me, I couldn't see her. So she had a big pillowcase over her head with a big thing of ice cream she had been eating. And she didn't think we could, I could see her or anything. And that was kind of normal behavior for her. They really rapidly gain weight. Um, Kids with Prader-Willi's usually are slow to talk, to walk, mm -hmm. to um, crawl. All of that is pretty normal with Prader-Willi's kids. But like I said, we didn't get a diagnosis till she was 10. So my mother dealt with trying to like control what she was eating. But literally in the brain of a Prader-Willi's kid, it is always thinking, how can I get food? 
how can I get food? I'm starving. How can I get food? And so where you and I don't have that problem, we can kind of turn that off. There's never turns off. And there's medication now to help with that. But back then, there was nothing. And so mothers were just left, or both of our mothers mm-hmm. were just left to do the best that they could. There wasn't a diagnosis. I mean, and this is serious. It's kind of like when a drug addict is looking for their next right. fix. It gets serious when they really right. want their next fix. Right. And yeah. the problem was, is the older, even with the diagnosis, the older she got, the bigger she got. And both mm-hmm. of our sisters, I think, were in the 300 pound yeah. range at one time um, because it just, you can, we both grew up in homes where, f- like, at one point when Katie was about seven, my mom put locks on our refrigerator, our, our closet, I mean, our pantries. Everything was locked up. So, anytime a family member of a Prater Willie's kid wants to eat, you got to go unlock the food, which right. I have five brothers. So, they would get kind of irritated. And sometimes someone would leave it open and there would be an empty refrigerator at the end of the day. You that has to be exhausting for, for, mothers some, for not stuff, just yeah. for mothers but oh, yeah. if your brain is always telling you I'm hungry I gotta go get food yeah. mm-hmm. it's gotta be an exhausting thing to deal with in your head well what they what they see is around the age of two and a half you, you people with Prader Willie start seeing the weight gain and that's really when that increase in hunger starts and so the food seeking behaviors is what the type of what we characterizes what mm-hmm. Stacy was describing um, and the lack of satiation really start at age eight. And if you think about an eight-year-old um, who doesn't have Prader-Willi and the type of emotional things that they're going through and in their development, the challenges that they have like socially and in school, you add that on top of this uh, constant hunger that you have, it makes it really difficult. But the food-seeking behavior includes like hoarding, foraging mm-hmm. for food, mm-hmm. stealing food, um, stealing. stealing money to mm-hmm. be able to buy food. Eating out of the trash can. Eating out of the, mm-hmm. eating out of the garbage disposal. Yeah. I mean, it's... It, it's a starving brain. Right. So, so, yeah. You said that um, when you have this, you have a tendency to run. Is it mm-hmm. that these people, they run so they can try and find more food? It's, or is it just something else that they do? It's always about food. It's so when they always dis- about food with them, always. So when they're disappearing and vanishing yeah. and all those and things. And my sister is Houdini. Like, she has climbed out of my bathroom window before. She's climbed out of a, gr- a car wash before. I mean, this girl is resourceful. Like I said, she, her intelligent level, her and mm-hmm. Amy, they both are like kind of, like it's like autism has like levels right like there's there's some people that have this part and so there's people that might have totally different situations than our sisters have but in the end if you're diagnosed it's because you are always starving always trying to get food so her fleeing has to do with getting to food the behavior stuff that you see it Prater Willie has a very distinctive phenotype of behavior. So like there are tantrums, stubbornness, manipulative and compulsive behaviors. And that sounds like something really negative to say about someone as special and loving as my sister because she truly is. Mm-hmm. But when you when you think about as we were growing up um, and so after she was diagnosed, we it was like quickly getting her services. 
and services were being developed at the same time that mm -hmm. she was diagnosed. So we were fortunate enough to have her placed in the in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the Prado Willie Institute, which was incredible. She has been there a couple of times for kind of extended periods, and they had a program to train families on what the disease was and how to be supportive of a person who has it. That was amazing for me. I would have been... Uh, six the first time that I went. It it was traumatic when Amy left my house because uh, her as my older sister, I was used to her always being there and she's so loving and taught at that point had taught me, I felt like everything that I knew. So having her removed from the home to go and get the services she needed was really hard. And people who have it also commonly, and I don't think Katie Backlaw had this issue, but commonly they um, have scoliosis um, they're smaller in stature. I looked at Katie's hands the other day, and I said, those look like just like Amy's yeah, hands. Yeah, their hands are always super tiny. Yeah, they have the same hands. Um, tiny features. Usually. Yeah, it affects mm -hmm. their growth hormones. Right. And also sexual development. Right. Yes. My sister never sexually developed. Yeah. Um, th it's common that they don't. Yeah. And my sister Katie, even though she's 40, she probably looks like she's around, I don't know, 20 or something, but she's got the mentality of maybe a eight-year-old. Maybe even, maybe, as far as like look-wise, I don't know. It's really hard for yeah. me to because be able to know. say objectively. Yeah. yeah, but they look a lot younger than they mm. are because they're so petite and tiny. How, when, when Katie vanished from mm -hmm. that prom night, yeah. How, where did she go or how far did she go? Was she walking somewhere? Did she get a car? Because you're saying she has yeah. the mental capacity of an eight-year-old. Right, right. So I'm just curious, how, and how did she end up in the shelter? Right. Well, there was a series of events that happened to her, and I won't go into every okay. single detail that happened to Katie, but I will say there's always really kind people, too. She ended up at a church, a Baptist church, on Sunday, and one of their guards or security guards, um, she made up a story, <laughs> of course, to get to some food, and so they ended up taking her to the shelter because of the story she told, and uh that way she could have food. So she was having food 24-7 at the shelter. She was loving life there. So um, there's always good and bad that comes when they run away. But mentally, again, Katie's not thinking about any of that. She's thinking about how do I get to food? So I think she gained about 20 pounds from Friday night till Monday afternoon. That was one thing that I noticed um, whenever we were reading the description that she was around... 125, 130. And I was really kind of surprised at that because yeah. she actually they're was not thinner thin. than that. That's mm -hmm. normally her weight, but she had gotten down to around 100 pounds. Um, so she, she, because, and that she hates water, so she didn't drink mm -hmm. water the whole weekend. So that's really, Katie was in danger when she was there. I mean, even though they were taking good care of her and she was eating, she wasn't on medication, she wasn't drinking water, she was eating whatever she wanted to. And so that puts her at danger. She also can have seizures. So mm -hmm. um, they, at the, there, they were doing their best to take care of her, I know, but you have to have specific care for Prater Willie. You just it, have to. I think it comes down to awareness of the disease. I mean, the, uh, the shelter 
had her and didn't know they had her, right? Mm-hmm. They were taking care of her. She was safe there. Um, the the people that are there are there to protect mm-hmm. women, um, and they were doing that. But Prada Willie is a very, very specific uh, nuanced disorder, and the people that have it will literally eat themselves to death. Mm-hmm. And Danger can happen very quickly um, in a person that has it. I, I, another thing is um, people who have have it don't feel hot and cold, or have they have a very high pain tolerance, so they can be exposed to something that's that's very damaging before there's a recognition that the damage is occurring. Right. Like being outside in the cold right. in the Correct. winter mm-hmm. with no jacket and a mm-hmm. brown dress. Mm-hmm. That's exactly that's that's exactly so. Um, you would see hypothermia happen. A lot. So how do you treat it? Prater Willie? There's also, well, when she was young, we were talking about this too. When they were young, it was just up to our mothers to figure out um, how to treat it. And they were kind of on their own. But now there's all different sorts yeah. of medications. You can probably yeah. speak to that. So what they've learned is, so the I talked earlier about the low muscle tone that you see in an infant. That low muscle tone carries forward into adulthood. And it is in large part due to an under production of growth hormones. And so one of the treatments that they've been doing over the last at least 15 years and they've seen a lot of success in it is introducing growth hormones. um, And it has really helped overall with the physical appearance, but also what's going on within the body. So by um, diet control at an early age, right? So the earlier you diagnose through genetic testing that wasn't previously available, the earlier you can have interventions and inform the family that this is what Prater Willie is, this is what hunger is, and it helps the person who has Prater Willie understand what they're sensing before they've they've developed patterns that are going to they're going to be reinforced more difficult for them not to try to reinforce, right? So it's growth hormones and diet control. That there is some research on GLP-1 medications that um, they're looking at because of the um, hormone production uh, that's impaired through Prader-Willi. So I don't ha- know a lot of information about that. I know that other diet control medications like Apodex or Phenermin, yeah. those are not, um, those do not help control the appetite and they actually can cause some um, bad uh, results because in someone who already can have irritability to give that type of uh, amphetamine or medication can really cause the behaviors yeah. to be yeah. more uncontrollable. Which they tried with Katie and yeah. she was like horrible. Right. So yeah. You, you talked about genetic testing. Mm-hmm. Just curious and I don't know if you can answer this or not. Say when I had my son, he's four years old, I was an older woman being pregnant mm-hmm. so I had a lot of that genetic testing at some point mm-hmm. to make sure that my child didn't have any issues like Down syndrome and that. Mm-hmm. And they did a whole array of tests. Do they also test for Prater Willie when they do that? Or is that something you'd have to address after? It depends on the type of testing that you have. If you have, if I had a daughter in uh, two years ago and I had a son four years ago. And of course, that there's not really, um, it's a genetic disorder. It's not necessarily hereditary, but I still was kind of hypervigilant about, you know, whether or not um, my baby that was in my tummy at the time had a 
genetic disorder. So I opted into testing that because of my age at the time, I wouldn't have necessarily uh, qualified for for coverage, but I decided to opt into that just for peace of mind because mm -hmm. of my own experience. And so it did include genetic testing for Prader-Willi syndrome. Um, by the time that I had my daughter, the criteria to be able to get that was a little bit uh more inclusive and so there I did have coverage to be able to get the genetic testing with her so would you would you qualify knowing that you if you said I have a sibling that has this that doesn't count no no because it's genetic not hereditary yeah. gotcha you said that. right yeah right I, I know that was a question that I had and, well, and I didn't and know someone yeah who's been through it you I mean when I was having kids you know they didn't have genetic testing no because that was a long time ago but they it still scared me and not mm -hmm. until all the research came out did do we did we find that out so that's a great question to ask yeah Thank i you. i was really impressed when you told me that there is a group that is taking care of kate yeah and yeah she doesn't have food in her house no so um, so we've talked about, Katie and I have talked about this too. So when um, my sister was 16, my mom wouldn't give her something and she sat on her and almost killed her. And my brother, who's a physician, just out of the emergency kind of checked her into a hospital because we really didn't have a resource. And so we're looking at all the new information on Prader-Willi's in 1994 on what we could do with her. And it just happened that Oklahoma mm -hmm. has a great Prader-Willi's. And I think the Volunteers of America is what um, our sisters are in. They're it's an organization that's set up to take care of these kids and other kids with special needs. But um, oh, I had my phone on silent. Sorry. Um, but I will say this organization she's in is pretty good and we're we're going with it and I don't know else to say. Yet. So Sorry. does she live? In, she's in a home. She's in. So a, she's not in your house. No, she's in a place by herself. She has two caregivers. Um, food is brought into her, and we have like security, so she can't really get out of the. Because she's like tied sheets together and climbed out her window. I mean, that's what I'm telling you about. They, and it's also erratic behavior. I would say with Prater Willie sometimes, like as a kid, I and this is why you have to have really good caretakers because as a big sister once I remember choking her out for hurting my mom like just grab because physically she was over 300 pounds and I'm not a big I was even tight I was like 80 pounds soaking wet in high school and so trying to get her under control I was like on her back and my brothers all taught me you know wrestling so I was trying to get her in a chokehold so how do I trust that these people that I don't know, that don't love Katie the way that I love Katie, can have controlled behavior when she comes at them aggressively. I mean, that's a big, a big concern for families of Prater Willie kids. When you put your trust in someone, um, she Katie's had caretakers, the same caretakers for some up to twenty years that she's had that we love and trust, and they're like family members to us. Wow. That that's got to take a, a special heart to be able to. It's the you know, most difficult thing I can tell you, because even as someone who loves them, it is really difficult whenever they're in their manic stages mm -hmm. to be patient and and understanding because they're physically coming at you for if 
and now they have medication. But right. in the time right. my sister was little, I don't know if your experience was different, Katie, but in, in my experience, we didn't have any of that. We didn't right. have medication. We didn't have a lot of information. So this is just a family, which I have eight siblings in my family, and Katie's the youngest. And so the youngest two, my brother Mark and Amy, I mean, they lived a totally different life pretty much mm-hmm. growing up than I did because I was 16 when she was diagnosed. So where do people go Born. for help? So there's different organizations. Do you want to speak to that? If, if people are... are if people have um, a family member or they're a caretaker of someone that has Prater Willie um, that is a child, a, a great resource is the um, Prater Willie Institute that's in Pittsburgh. That's um, if people are looking for options uh, for their adult loved one uh, who has Prater Willie to be taken care of, I would refer them to Volunteers of America to see what the options are. Um, my sister lives in a house in Edmond, Oklahoma. Um, it's facilitated through VOA. She has 24-hour staff. She has food in the house, but the way that the house is set up, they're able to lock the door to the kitchen to prevent her to have access to it. She lives with one other person who has Prater Willie. Um, actually, Katie and Amy lived <laughs> together for a period of time when my sister was living in Tulsa. But um, they... My husband and I have actually, we have a development project that um, we haven't broke ground on yet, but we acquired a lot near 24, or no, I'm sorry, near Admiral and Utica to do a uh, small apartment uh, building. And one floor is for senior housing. One floor is for like market rate and affordable housing affordable units and then the other floor I envision specifically for people who have Prater Willie who need more of a a communal or social environment one of the reasons that we our family decided that this was the type of setup that my sister needed as an adult is because of the high intellectual functioning that she had Mm -hmm. she had a high drive to be a social independent being and so having her through VOA and living independently with staff was something that was really exciting for her and um, having a building that is specifically for people that have the disorder is really helpful to give them more independence because it can come with things like temperature gauges to be able to protect themselves from hot water when they're running a bath and to not scald themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Just little bitty things like that to give more independence can increase the quality of life and then in in the long run, increase the life expectancy. Yeah, because life expectancy used to be 30. It used to be. It used to be 30 because they would just get so heavy. That tear Terrified me. Yeah, as and a Katie's child. Forty now. I think the life expectancy okay. is like around sixty now. Like it's it's gone up a lot. Once so. you treat the comorbidities that come with the obesity, they find that um, they have people have Prater Willie have a pretty normal life expectancy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming in and telling us about this. This is all new to me, <laughs> so I really appreciate you guys coming in and spending time letting other people, educating people. We appreciate it. Absolutely. We're super proud of our sisters. Yes. Want to inform people because the the chances is that Katie may run again. And Mm -hmm. I think the more people that understand 
Prater Willie, and like she would tell lies to people about her name because she just doesn't want to get caught. And a lot of people don't understand that. And so I had a lot of questions this weekend coming. Well, what if I see her? What do I do? And I was like, well, there's not much you can do. Call the police because she could get violent on you. I mean, we just don't know. And so I think the more awareness there is, the better. So thank you so much for having us. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of Oklahoma Women Want to Know. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. See you next time. Thank you for joining us once again on Oklahoma Women Want to Know. Tune in each Wednesday at 5 a.m. for the latest episode. And don't forget to drop us a review.